Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast. I'm Ward Carroll, the Director of Outreach at the Naval Institute. With me is my usual co-host, Bill Hamlet, the Deputy Director, I'm sorry, the Deputy Editor. Why do I want to say Deputy Director? The Deputy Editor of Proceedings Magazine. Bill, how are hey, you Ward. today? It's great. Great to be it's here. It's a great Navy day. It is. It's a And great it's actually Navy a great day. Marine Corps day, too, but we'll get to that in a second. So before we get to Mike on the phone, um, one of our Proceedings authors this month, I wanted to take a look at this article uh, from Megan at USNI News, you know, often on the show we talk about OBOX, right? And uh, and and so our good friend uh, Admiral Shoemaker here um, has yeah, just for, for those uh, who haven't haven't heard this before, OBOX, the onboard oxygen generation system, which is on T-45s and other tactical F-18s, aircraft, F-18s, F-22s, right? And uh, right. and the, the the fleet of F of T-45s, uh, a training advanced tra- jet trainer for the Navy. Uh, had had some serious problems earlier this year with the onboard oxygen generation system, OBOGS. Uh, and we've, we talked about it on our podcast. Uh, we talked about it in proceedings. We talked about it. Yeah. Yep. It's been a, it's, it's been topic. A, a topic. Yes. And so as we continue the topic, um, as I said, Megan Eckstein, uh, one of our USNI news reporters, uh, just, uh, this was what, a couple of days ago on USNI news, uh, Dateline, Washington, D.C., the Navy's multi-pronged efforts to address hypoxia, decompression sickness, and other physiological episodes in F-18s and T-45 air crew are showing positive results with a number of what they call PE events down in most aircraft types. And the T-45 Goshawk trainers set to resume full operations by the end of the month, according to the commander of Naval Air Forces, who is uh, Admiral Shoemaker. So that's good news um, in that... You know, we're always talking about training pipelines and what is this going to do to roll dates and, you know, the purse tempo and everything else. So it looks like we're trending in the right direction with uh, with that. The second part of the headline of that story is that uh, pilot throughput, pilot training throughput is almost back to normal. So yes. that's a very good thing. Very good thing. All right. Um, well, why don't we introduce our uh, our guest? So Ward, as we've done uh, for a a few weeks now, we've uh, had proceedings authors on board uh, with us to talk about things that they've been writing for us in proceedings or proceedings today. And uh, today we're very happy to have with us uh, Sergeant Major Mike Burke, U.S. Marine Corps. He comes to us from Marine Aviation Logistics Squadron 13 out at Yuma, Arizona. And Mike wrote a piece uh, called Nobody Asked Me But. It's in the November issue of Proceedings. It's called Let's Train Them Like Marines. So, Mike, if you're still there with us, uh, if you could come on and just tell us a little bit about uh, the main points of your uh, Nobody Asked Me But. Well, first, Mike, welcome to the show. Sorry, Bill, so rude. Um, and, And we have you, we have the phone here on Facebook Live. It's like you're right here with us. Um, so, uh, how are things in Yuma? I've deaded there a few times back when I was, uh, flying the Tomcat dumb, during WW Cold War. Um, you know, I've bombed Chocolate Mountain a number of times and, uh, played golf at some of the local, uh, local courses there. It's a good, that's good, good times out there in Yuma. Actually, not too bad of a duty station, frankly. Um, you know, great weather, eight months out of the year and, uh, you know, sometime in the summer you forget that it was ever great out here, but, um. It's a dry heat, though, right? It's a dry heat, as oh, they right. always say. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, unlike the Persian Gulf or, you know, the East Coast, North Carolina, and, you know, Georgia areas, uh, very dry. So let's talk about your career real quick. Where, where, where okay. did you spend uh, – uh, you're, you're, you are an infantry guy, right, although you're with the Airedales at the moment, but uh, 
Are you by uh, by trade an infantry guy? Uh, yes. Originally, I was six years in 0311, um, and then Lat moved into what was known at the time as NBC. And uh, I try to forget those years, but for about eight years, I was a nuclear biological chemical defense specialist. But uh, I was still in infantry units, uh, recon battalion, that kind of thing, where I, I got to do other kinds of stuff besides NBC trash. So did you wear your mop gear a lot? Is that what that was all about? No, the joy of that is I get to make other people wear my gear. Oh, okay. That's good. Um, Were you ever stationed at that uh, the special command down at uh, Indian River? Oh, yeah, Indian Head. I was uh, Indian the Bio Incident Response Force that's for right. a couple C- of years. That's right, Seaburf, yeah. Um, right. And that, in that's Maryland? Actually, Indian, in Indian, Maryland, oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know it was there. So the Chemical oh, Biological yeah. Incident Response Force, and that's the, uh, that's the Marine Corps unit. It's almost, a, I think, a Tier 1 unit um, when there was the anthrax scare at the Senate office building uh, back in, what was it, 2002? Uh, that Seaburf responded to that. They were the ones who, who uh, went in and, uh, you know, secured the building and made sure anthrax had not spread throughout the, the entire uh, building and were the first kind of first responders for that kind of thing, right? Ah, oh, but we digress. Correct, yeah. So back to you, Mike. Um, so you did that that pain in the ass job for a little while, and and then what happened? Um, and then uh, I put F on my fit rep, and they selected me for first sergeant. And uh, you know the war was going on at the time, and I immediately called the monitor and said, "Who's deploying next? Send me with them." And I uh, ended up with Third Battalion, Third Marines, out of Kaneohe Bay, and uh, did a couple of Iraq tours, and then uh, went out to uh, the Fleet Anti-Terrorism Security Team companies in Bahrain, where. Uh, Ironically, it was during the Arab Spring where we reinforced some American embassies uh, and consulates out there during the Arab Spring. And uh, after that, I was selected to uh, Sergeant Major, and uh, I was on I&I duty with 3rd Battalion, 25th Marines out of Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, and here I am. I've been a squadron sergeant major with the Black Sheep, with uh, 121, the Green Knights, and the F-35 before I kicked them out the door to Iwakuni, and now I'm here at Mouth. So um, I say this every time we mention 121 because Sam mentioned 121 last week when we were doing the show. Um, so um, my dad uh, was the skipper of 121 when they were an A6 squadron back uh, when I was living on base at Havelock High or in, in Havelock, right, at Cherry Point. Um, right. And uh, then my dad was also a J.O. in 121 as a captain in Da Nang and Chu Lai in 66 and 67. So um, a lot of my family heritage in that particular squadron. Oh, wow. Yeah, very storied. You know, Joe Foss, those guys, a lot of storied uh, tales coming out of that squadron. We actually had a bunch of those guys. Uh, uh, I guess there's a, uh, I don't know what you call it, a 121 Green Knights Association, and a lot of those guys were able to come out for our ball last year. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. Um, so let's talk about the story. Um, as Bill said, it's titled Train Them, Let's Train Them Like Marines. Um, what sort of caused you to put pen to paper here? Um, well, in, in this case, you know, uh, well, first of all, the idea of that nobody asked me it fits right into my billet description, right? Nobody asked for my unsolicited opinion, but here it is. But, uh, you know, I, I'm somebody in my, in my daily tasks and duties who's trying to impact behavior. And, um, uh, you know, I've got a sphere of influence, and I'm always asking myself, how can I impact this? How can I change behaviors? And, and um, you know, society's changed over the years, and we see new things all the time. And, and 
after a while, you know, you can only beat so many the drum so many times of, you know, tobacco cessation class or, you know, and in particular I talk about the, the sexual assault prevention video we were watching and when I'm openly seeing it have a negative impact, you know, and it's doing the opposite of what we want, they're not actually learning anything, that, that kind of bothers me and I think to myself, okay, how can I, you know, do this, how can I change their behavior by you know, through instruction or, or how do I do it? You know, I'm asking myself that all the time. Um, and I realized, you know, when I, as, you know, looking back, you know, through my years of experience that, you know, identity is a thing, you know, in the Marine Corps, that's a big thing about our identity as Marines. And we always, you know, uh, and we successfully do that, I think, as an institution, you know, through our uh, knowledge of our own history and our legacy and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, like I say in, in the piece, if you hang out with basketball players, eventually you're going to play basketball. You know, if you hang out with gym rats, eventually you're going to start lifting weights. So who we hang out with and who we identify as kind of influences our behavior and our conduct and what we're doing. So that, that kind of drove me to start yeah, writing and, that. And Mike, in your piece, you know, you, I think you do a great job at the start of sort of pointing out that – uh, the training that Marines are getting these days, and we've, we've seen this in the Navy and other services as well, instead of the training being the positive, here's what we want to be as Marines, these are our tactical uh, skills, this is our warfighting skills, you, you point out that there's a whole lot of training that's aimed at do not, do not do this, do not do that, do not haze class, a do not sexual right. assault class, a do not be prejudiced class, a do not make unwanted sexual advances or obscene remarks class. Do not uh, use tobacco. You know, do not use tobacco. Do not, do not use drive. drugs. Do not drink and drive. And even I, I really laughed at the uh, for the Marine Corps ball every November. The sergeant major <laughs> has to has to stand up in a, in advance and tell all the Marines, you know, do not pre-flight. Do not get up during the cake cutting. Do not get up during the guest of honor speech. Do not allow your your date to dress like a prostitute. That one cracked yeah. me up. How, how does that work? And how, how did that play out? Did that? Did people not have their dates dressed like prostitutes? <laughs> well, and that particular remark comes from personal experience when we had to ask some young ladies to leave the ball uh, because they were so undressed uh, that it left nothing to the imagination. And I mean, quite literally, that's just that. Which I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, we got <laughs> it. We got it. You know, we get you. So, right. so, so then you go on to say, you know, our history as Marines is exciting. You know, the saga of the mm -hmm. greatest warrior culture in the planet, you know, history of, of planet Earth. And Marines to, need to know that that's their inheritance, not the do not do this, do not do that, but right. the, the do this, right? You know, hey, you are part of the greatest tribe. You are part of the best basketball team. So, right. you know, pick up a ball and start playing, play, play varsity ball here. Um, and, and the term Marine is, if it's synonymous with the higher highest in soldierly virtue, your words here, let's convince mm -hmm. our troops that this is the fabric of who they are, not a list of, you know, do nots, right? Right. And uh, by the way, that's actually General Lejeune's words, but, I, you know, I stole that from the from the birthday ball message, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, where he says, you know, that the term Marines become the highest in soldierly virtue. And if I am convinced if I can get young Marines to embrace that identity, you know, as world's finest United States Marine, you know, then they'll start acting like that. And if they start acting like that ideal person, then the conduct and behavior issues may take care of themselves. Um, you know, so, so this is sort of like, uh, you know, child rearing where they'll 
they'll rise to whatever level your expectations are, you know, to some degree. Um, and, and so you want to kind of stand the dynamic on its head and get away from the negative into the, into the affirmative. Um, are you seeing, uh, this, this negative, this don't, don't, don't affect morale, you think on the deck plates in the, in the, in the, in the barracks and, uh, and just with the general attitude? <laughs> well, I'm, I'll just point to a Terminal Lance cartoon where they're having a suicide awareness class in the cartoon, and in the characters in the cartoon, you know, wish they were dead after being in the suicide prevention <laughs> class, right? So, I mean, and that's coming from a guy, guys at that level, right? Those cartoons, uh, you know. So if that's any indication of where their heads are at, uh, you know, and every time, hey, we got this. Name the class. Name the annual training class. We've got this such and such training to do. Everybody rolls their eyes and, uh, you know. Well, that, that's uh, exactly it. You know, I, I, I just retired from active duty a little over a year ago, and I remember, you know, the, the number of training requirements is so high, and so many of them are done, you know, computer-based. You have to log on to this system. You have to, you know, click through this 78-page, uh, you know, PowerPoint slide presentation on you name the training, and it's always a do not do or, you know. My favorite one is it's the, the, cyber, the cyber one where the waiter steals your phone and, you know, what do you do? And yeah, I immediately clicked, go after the waiter. No, don't do that. He could be dangerous. <laughs> I'm dangerous, you know. Come on. <laughs> I'll show you dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, how do we, you know, if if you were at a all call with, uh, you know, the third Ma CG, right? Um, <laughs> what 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 would you say to him um, in, in terms of what has to change? Well, all I think I would do is just say the things that I'm trying to do at my level because I know that I got a sphere of influence and I can impact that. And, you know, I like having staff and COPMEs and I like, you know, telling them, hey, these are the things I want you to talk to your Marines about. And because, you know, that, that, that's really my job is to train them to train the Marines. Um, I try to insert myself in as much of the annual training as I can to make them understand this is why we're doing this. And, you know, if I can present it in a different light, maybe they'll pay attention to it again. Because the training's the training. It's going to happen. So i got to give them a new perspective um, and change it and adjust it where I can. Um, I love talking to Marines. I insert, I've got a regular job here at the MAG University where I talk to the corporals course about their promotion warrant class, the one I mentioned in the, in the article. Um, and, and I think it's just talk, continually talking about it and, and talking about our identity, who we are, what we expect of Marines. Um, we, know, we already know the answers. We've got leadership traits and principles, and we should be talking about those things. Because uh, if you do those things, you bounce all your decisions off of leadership traits and principles, uh, you're going to make you, – you might make mistakes, but you're not going to make wrong choices. Mike, Mike, how many times have you served as a command sergeant major now? Is this your third time? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, it, I've kind of got an interesting career path. Let's see. This is my third squadron, fourth unit. Um, so I, I got, what, uh, this five years time in grade? So. Got it. And, and how, yeah. many, how many Marines, uh, enlisted Marines, are there in MALS uh, 13? Oh, my goodness. Uh, on any given day, 400, 400 to 500. And, now, and we're, we're a small MALS, so. 
Got it. So over the course of your career, um, because we hear critics talking about, um, you know, after this shooting in Texas and and, uh, uh, Bo Bergdahl and Chelsea Manning and, you know, about how the quality of your average recruit uh, has gone down since 9-11 because of the uh, need to, to fill the ranks. What's your sense uh, if you look at your average uh, Lance Corporal Corporal serving with you under your charge? How, how would that compare to um, your peers, let's say, when you were an E3 or an E4? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, and I don't like invoking the the, the word millennials, right? Because that's kind of come and turn into a, like a a bad word, as you say, or an insult. And but uh, you know, I will say, you know, I I think there's a change. But then you know, I have to remind myself that as Lance Corporal, I really wasn't paying attention to that. Um, but um, and I think you know, all all I can do is deal with you know the Marines as they get here. In uh, you know let. Let's be honest. We've got young Marines that may or may not have ever uh, had any instruction, you know, or any foundation morally, and they come to the Marine Corps. You know, people try. To, when I describe what I do for a living, I get kids who have been playing video games off their all their lives, fell off the couch one day and joined the Marine Corps, and it's my job to take Marine Corps values and convince them to adopt them as their own, um, and that's what I'm trying to do every day out here. Is you know, hey, this is how we should be. And, you know, uh, fortunately, I've been fairly successful. I think more of them get it than don't get it. And, you know, three months of boot camp doesn't change a lifetime of poor decisions or a fundamental character flaw, right? We can only continue to work and train uh, with the Marines that we have and and, uh, try to be a positive influence. So are the Marines, and when I say the Marines, I mean, you know, the the local Marines that you're surrounded with at Yuma – ready you know is there anything that that uh, the public should be concerned about or you know because <laughs> we we hear a lot uh, of criticism you know and it seems to be a growing drumbeat in this polarized environment um how how's it feel to you and and you know go th- you can go thirty thousand foot in terms of manning materiel op tempo so forth and so on i mean are we are we because you're a you're a been there done that kind of guy you know, um, and so um, when, when you think about, you know, your, you know, Anbar awakening and readiness, and then you think about what you, what's going on right now, um, what's your general sense? And uh, like, as far as uh, this generation of Marines? Well, that and just the general atmospherics around around you. You know, I mean, are are we are we feeling ready? Are are you, are you moto? Are you are you concerned? You know, and and uh, if you are concerned, what is it that you need? Mm, well, and, and and I'll be honest with you, the Marines are ready to go, right? Almost every Marine I talk to wants to deploy, you know, wants to do good things. They you know they join for an adventure, they join for a challenge, and we're providing that. So I'm not worried about that in that sense. You know, because we're we're still doing most things, a lot of things right, and uh, so I'm not worried about that. You know, I tell the young Marines all the time that you know, uh, when the American people 
you know, hear the word United States Marine, they expect and deserve a particular product. And our job is to deliver that product. And I'm, I'm telling you, by and large, the Marines are doing that every day. So America is still getting the product they want out of a United States Marine uh, as much as they ever did overall. So, Mike, I got a question for you, and I think um, what you've written about here is reflected in a lot of the things that we're seeing in proceedings and in discussions that are driving uh, some of the writing that ends up in proceedings or in proceedings today or on our blog right now. So we know at the very top that uh, Secretary Mattis has been talking a lot about increasing the lethality of the force and you know how do we put more weapons on more platforms, uh, make it more tech, more re- you know high tech, resilient, uh, longer range, faster. Uh, you know, get there to the punch, kill the enemy before he can kill you, before he can even detect you. That kind of stuff from the from uh, Secretary Mattis. Um, and at the at the deck plates or at barracks level, you know, we've got guys like you, you know, looking at the the current situation. And the training, you know, what you're writing about here is all this training about, well, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this instead of, hey, be a Marine. Right. That's what that's what the standard is. Um, And I'm curious, over the last few years, have you seen uh, any change or even over the last, you know, eight or 10 months, have you seen changes coming where the focus is returning to or turning more towards, you know, lethality and dropping off some of the. In the Navy, we call it administrivia. We we call it, you know, trifle training, stuff that's just not adding to the bottom line of being as combat capable as we can possibly be. Are you seeing that start to happen, or is it still, you know, we're still kind of rudder amidships, not really sure where we're going? I think so. I think we've started to do that. Uh, there's, you know, uh, Marine Corps has a, was a program we call UMAPIT, and, you know, that kind of consolidated a lot of redundant training. Uh, which, you know, used to really bother me. It was the same class, just a different name, you know. Um, so I, I think we're starting to head that way, and I know the Secretary has said things along those lines, and, you know, when he says, is you know, we execute. Uh, and uh, so I, I believe it's starting to get there. It's starting to head in that direction just from my vantage point. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I worry about Sergeant Major on down, you know. So I worry about what my guys are doing and how they're executing yeah, their missions. Of course, that's your and, job, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, worrying about what people above me are, are, are doing other than obeying their orders. Is <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just wondering if, if the people above you are starting to change the policies that can help you and your Marines be more focused on lethality, be more focused on mission and not on the administrivia that's sort of eaten up people's time. Well, um, I, I would think the answer is no, based on Mike's paper. Right. I mean, that's why he wrote the paper. Um yeah. So again, if if you had a, an audience with, I mean, how often do you, who's, is do you have an O six as who's in charge of, uh, um, the unit, the command? Uh, oh, my CO, the Mal CO is a lieutenant colonel, but the Mag CO is is a colonel. Um, is and, he a uh, loggy or is he an aviator or what is what what's oh, his? Oh, the my boss is a is a, is a logistician by trade. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so. In terms of leadership in general, uh, to include your your peer group, are you feeling like you guys have the tools and the um, the space to do what has to be done, or is that part of what 
your concerns are with respect to this this don't atmosphere? Mm-hmm. Um, part of my concerns are that you know, I I would like to think in that piece I wrote I'm calling on leaders to, to you know what I mean to take an active role, take a little initiative, and just make things happen at their levels. Um, it, the administrivia pieces are you know th- those are always going to be there. I think. Um, there's, you know, it's it's the age we live in, <laughs> um, but, you know, I I think it, if we do it the right way at, at our various levels, we can take those and make it work. Uh, you know, um, the problem is a lot of these things are re- requirements, and when the requirement turns into check in the box, it becomes ineffective, and, and when it's just redundant over and over again. Um, yeah, I think that's you know. a good point about about a check in the box. You know, when yeah. when people start to get complacent and they just see things as, you know, it's a it's a check in the box requirement. Therefore, I can gun deck it, right? Uh, right. Or it's, or it's just not important, um, or it's only important when it's going to be inspected. Then it becomes really well, kind right. of counterproductive. And uh, yeah, I, you know, this this is a theme that I think, or a thread that kind of weaves its way through a lot of the problems that we're seeing. Um, if you look at some of the uh, requirements out in Seventh Fleet and the two collisions of the Fitzgerald and the McCain, and you you know you you read about some of the things that distracted people from training or took their capability to train and to get enough people and to get those people trained and to spend uh, the time and maintenance and mo- you know time and money on maintenance. Um, that there was a lot of things that distract from you know people from from their their core mission area, um, and that probably contributed to uh you know to some of the things that you know led to uh, the, the problems we're seeing in the navy surface force in, in the past we've seen that in other parts of the force so yeah it ebbs and flows um so mike what's next for you in terms of uh, deployments or uh duty stations or how far off is retirement what what's going on oh i'll be retiring next summer you mean summer of 2018 correct okay any idea what you want to do after that um, sit on the couch and, uh, enjoy a little time off. Okay. Yep. Roger that. You've earned that. Sure. <laughs> and, and then we'll see what happens. I'm not one of those guys that I'm not in a position where I need that next job right away. Um, I would like to take some time off and sit in front of a, a computer and start typing and see what comes out. Um, I enjoy writing. So, uh, um, yeah, fantastic. How many years no. you got in the core? Oh, I'll have, uh, I'll have 26 when I retire. Awesome. Wow. Fantastic. And as we heard from your uh, your explanation of your duty stations, it's been a downrange kind of thing. And uh, so uh, the author is Sergeant Major Mike Burke. Uh, he is on page 14 of the current issue of Proceedings with an article called Let's Train Them Like Marines. So we recommend uh, the listeners check check that one out. You can also find it online at usni.org under Proceedings. Absolutely. Uh, it's one of the uh, featured articles right now. Uh, and we, we posted it on Facebook last night. We posted it on Twitter uh, also uh, the night before last. So, Mike, thanks for exercising the dare factor, as we say. Uh, look forward to more stuff from you as you put pen to paper. Um, and uh, good luck with all your future endeavors. If you're ever in Annapolis, please come see us. Uh, maybe we, we maybe we can even convince you to join the uh, the Naval Institute team as your next uh, in your next life. I think we need a Marine around here. We need a Marine. We do. <laughs> he sounds I'll like our kind keep, of guy. You'll you'll be able to keep your hands out of your pockets if I'm around at least. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I'm a Navy fighter guy, so I like to put my hands in my pockets. So I need I need you around here. 
Uh, I'm not mad at you. It's oh, all right. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, well, guys. Sergeant Major, thanks for the time and uh, and uh, keep them keep them flying out there and uh, and be safe. Yeah. Keep writing for all proceedings. Right. Thank appreciate you, sir. having me. Thanks. Right. Bye. 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 All right. That's uh, our first phone-in guest here, which is uh, very exciting. We intend to have, as you mentioned, more and more contributors. Uh, we had. Uh, um, Jared Seuss uh, Seal uh, in the studio Two weeks um, a couple ago. weeks ago. And right. uh, uh, so each week we want to have uh, folks from the pages of Proceedings in Military History. Another thing we can talk about today, in fact, in D.C., um, in partnership with CSIS, we had three SECNAVs talking about uh, any number of things, including the 355-ship Navy. Um, so I understand. I was not there. And you, I know you weren't there either. We had to stay here at uh, home base. Uh, but there was quite a lively discussion around how do we get to that 355 number. And uh, Secretary Lehman and Secretary Danzig, um, I understand, uh, ha had a pretty good exchange there. Also, um, uh, John Warner was there. Uh, I think I told you a couple weeks ago when Senator McCain spoke here at the Naval Academy for a four-stall lecture, he introduced Senator McCain, and he's still sprightly, and uh, the Southern gentleman, he's always been pretty amazing, amazing guy. Yeah, re retired senator, retired or former secretary of the Navy. Yeah, he's uh, he is, uh, an impressive American. Um, yeah, Ward, you mentioned uh, that you and I were uh, kind of tied down here at home base, uh, not just for the podcast, but also for the proceedings team. Uh, we're on deadline this week for the December issue, so we will go to what we call blue lines on uh, either tomorrow or Friday. Uh, that's uh, the, the final check before we send the uh, magazine to the printers, and then they print it and stick it in the mail and get it to, out to everybody's uh, mailbox so that it gets there by 1 December. So is December a theme issue or is it just a general, general issue? We do not have a theme for December, but it is shaping up. Fred and I were, Fred Rainbow, the uh, editor-in-chief, and I were talking about it uh, today. There are some uh, amazing articles in the December issue, and we are hitting on uh, you know a number of different um, very, very important topics. Uh, a piece that I've worked on, uh, I'll just uh, tee this one up a little bit that it's, I think is going to get a lot of people's attention uh, is a piece called uh, Can't Kill Enough to Win, Think Again. It's written by two retired uh, military JAG officers uh, who are essentially criticizing uh, the military, the leadership, and especially the JAG Corps that over the last 10 or 15 years, particularly in the war on terrorism, have looked for ways to say no to the use of force rather than looking for ways to say, uh, yes, we need to go all out in this war against our terrorist adversaries, whether they be ISIL or Al-Qaeda, uh, and we probably can kill enough um, uh, to win. So it's an interesting topic. They go back to some examples from World War II, World War I, the Civil War. Uh, they talk about um, Casas Belli. They talk about uh, some great pieces by uh, former uh, military lawyers who looked for, uh, you know, ways to apply the rule of war and international uh, rules and laws uh, to the benefit of the of the U.S. military in combat action. So it's a great piece. Uh, we also have a piece that I think is going to get a lot of attention. Uh, we know that uh, in January. Secretary Mattis uh, owes the White House a recommendation on uh, transgender service in the military. Um, and we have a piece in that will be in the December issue uh, by a transgender service person. Uh, she uh, serves in the Coast Guard, 
and has written a facts-only uh, piece about what it means to be transgender, what all these terms that uh, many people aren't, aren't uh, all that familiar with yet, uh, what they mean, what the, the, the trans, transition uh, process is, what it costs, um, what the requirements are in terms of medications and those kinds of things, um, and, and points out you know, some uh, high-profile people who have served uh, you know, as transgender. Uh, so it is a piece that uh, we went out to an author who we, you know, an active duty person we knew was transgender, um, and we said, hey, there is a chance uh, to get something in front of the secretary before he has to make a recommendation to the White House in, in January or late January, February. Uh, would you like to write? And, and she took us up on the offer. Uh, and it's a it's a very well um, it's a well argued piece. It's a it is a piece, you know, befitting the open forum that proceedings is. I would imagine that people will take uh, you know issue with it, and I, I assume that it will generate a lot of online comments when we get it published. It'll generate some comment discussion comments, um, but it is a uh, it is a topic that is uh, you know first and foremost right now uh, the White House and the Secretary uh, are trying to come up with a policy, um, and so this is a piece that is timely and it's going to have the opportunity. You know, to possibly uh, you know influence that policy decision by uh, the Pentagon and then also the White House, which is sort of you know that's that's grassroots proceedings utility, right? Wading into the hard topics, as you said, factually, um, unflinchingly. Um, you know, this is a, a tough topic. Um, we don't imagine, as you suggested, that everyone's going to agree with the notion of it. Uh, but whether it's with a uh, comments and discussion input or something online, uh, you know, either on our Facebook page or uh, at usni.org, all we ask is that criticism be productive and professional. That's that's the forum. That's the uh, independent forum of the sea services. Right. So I, I imagine that some online will will say, you know, since when did the uh, Naval Institute, you know, start to um you know, advise deal with social or, issues. Yeah, deal with social issues, political and, issues, yep. uh, social and, engineering. Right? Why are right. why are we um, you know taking this side in the argument? And I would just remind people that the the proceedings is the Naval Institute's open forum for the sea services. It is we what we publish there. Um, it has to be well written. It has to be well researched. It has to be factual, and it has to be professional. Um, but it's not our line. It's not our opinion. It is something written by a professional, in this case, a Coast Guard captain who is transgender, who has commanded uh, Coast Guard cutters of multiple sizes. Um, and, and, you know, if people want to agree with it, they are welcome to join in the, uh, the debate. If they want to disagree, they're welcome to join in the debate. Uh, but that is the open forum. That is our job. It's not our job to take sides in these arguments. And our job is to provide the open forum and make sure that it is a professional space for people of the sea services to debate issues that are of consequence, right, to the profession. And right now, that is a topic that's of consequence because... Uh, you know, the previous administration made a, uh, a policy decision about transgender in the military. The Trump administration came in and President Trump tweeted last summer about, uh, you know, essentially tweeted a policy uh, which then was sort of put on hold. Uh, 
uh, and the the Pentagon asked for some time to study the issue and come back with a policy recommendation early in 2018. And so we're, we're hearing that January or February is when they will provide that policy to, policy recommendation to the White House. Uh, and so we had a chance to get something in the magazine that was pertinent to that discussion um, that could help shape it. And, and, and the follow-on discussion could also help shape it. And that's what Proceedings has always done since Stephen B. Luce formed a narrative that helped shape the creation of the Naval War College and Sunny Maritime and Top Gun as part of N5 and NSOC. It's what we've always done. Um, so n nothing nothing different. That's our mission. Tw you, 25 years ago, women in combat was all over the, the pages of Proceedings. Absolutely. For, um, for and against. Yep, for and against. Uh and it's till most recently that was manifest in the uh, the James Webb as distinguished distinguished graduate Kirkhoffel. Um and we had both sides of that discussion uh, as well. Right. So in the May issue of proceedings, right. right? And and so it's not you know you point out very rightly we don't take sides, um, we just uh, host the forum, um, and it's not quite the last person to the chalkboard wins, but certainly the most reasoned and fact based argument has more traction than invective and name-calling, you know? So that's probably the way it should be, and, that, and we're satisfied with that. But back to this transgender issue real quick, because, you know, you mentioned the president's tweet. Um, how that tweet came to be is an interesting study in Ledge Affairs. Um, he got a, a, a whisper from the House that... There was something going on with the 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 uh, the budget, um, and uh, uh, we buried that um, it, within this budget deal. And they tried to stymie um, some legislation against the idea that the military was paying for transgender procedures, and they wanted to pull the money out. So that that element got sort of the aperture opened into the president's tweet where what it appears anecdotally to be that Secretary Mattis had no idea and others had no idea um, that it was going to turn into be, you know, sort of um, policy by tweet um, in that he announced a categorical ban on, on transgender, to which there was a revolt of the admirals of sorts where every service chief, um, came out and kind of said, no, we're, we're, we're good with the policy as is, which is pretty remarkable, you know, if you think about it. Um, and uh, Secretary Mattis, um, being the good, um, you know, sort of subordinate that he is, um, it's what's made him a great, great leader. Um, it, he kind of told the president that, look, we need some time to study this. And, and so now that that chicken is coming back to roost. And, and so um, it is um, great that we have that article by a Coast Guard captain um, in the next issue, and we'll look forward to, to seeing that one. Um, just like we did gun rights in this issue, you know, we're, we're, we're on all forms, all manner of discussions, um, some doctrinal, some tactical, some... Ledge Affairs stuff, some social engineering stuff, 
budgetary Budgets. platforms, weapons systems, right. lethality, uh, you name it. Right. So, so, right, you name it. And, and so f- for those uh, who would, uh, and again, members can have their opinions, and that's fine. Everybody's allowed to say, hold it, you're out of bounds, right? But as the editorial team, um, I, I don't think we consider um, really anything out of bounds necessarily. Um, and, and once Top, again, topic wise, topic wise, right. and once again, we Few. we're not writing these things, right? And our you know? and our editorial board, which is made up of uh, active you know, duty E nines in the uh, Navy and the Marine Corps, all the way up to O sixes and Coast Guard uh, in uh, yeah, uh, Navy, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard. Um, you know, the the editorial board they vote on every major or every feature article that goes in the in the magazine, uh, and anything that's particularly um, you know, controversial, right? So if it, it can be a nobody asked me about or a professional note or a proceedings today piece, uh, if we, the the editorial staff, see that it's likely to be very controversial uh, and might get, you know, significant reaction from uh, our membership or, or folks in the profession, uh, you know, we take that to our board, we take that to our CEO, Vice Admiral Daly, um, you know, some things we take to our board of directors, uh, you know, and so um, there's there's certainly oversight uh, and lots of different uh, people who, who have a stake in the profession, who have been in the profession for a very long time, um, you know, have a, a, a decision, you know, power in, in what gets into the open forum, right? Um, but largely, you know, most of our members, most of our editorial board members, our board of directors, uh, you know, they they lean towards, hey, our job is to provide the forum for a discussion and let it, you know, let the discussion play out. Right. Let, and their sole let, motivation, let, let the there. battle of ideas play out and the best idea wins. And their sole motivation is not political. It is what's going to make the sea services better. Um, you Correct. know, so yeah. we reject any notion that we have some sort of political um, intentions here. Right. Um, so we're running out of time. I, I just wanted to read one of our where we were uh, items from this month. Um, you know, Dennis always does a real good job. Dennis Clift, um, our EVP of operations, does a great job here. Um, the first one is from the November 1917 proceedings, and it deals with, um, with you, know, you mentioned budget. This deals with some budgetary issues. Let me read this one. In his professional note, Lieutenant Commander I.C. Kidd reported, quote, United States, comma, new construction. The America's Navy War Construction Program consists of, now check this out, 787 vessels, including all types from super dreadnoughts to submarine chasers. And submarines are a pretty new capability at that time. In making this announcement, Secretary Daniels said some of the vessels have been completed with the last few weeks and are now in service and that the remaining uh, remainder of the program is being rushed. So this is the, uh, the drums of war of World War I we're, we're beating. The total cost is the total cost is estimated at. Check this out. This is for 787 vessels, one billion one hundred fifty million four hundred thousand dollars. The new destroyers to be commissioned within nine months will be unsurpassed by any destroyers in the world. So written I, by I love Lieutenant the, the, Commander Isaac Kidd. Isaac Kidd, right. yeah, of the As future Kidd, Kidd class, class destroyers, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, Admiral Kidd, right? Yep, absolutely. All right, so great show, um, and uh, uh, 
Thanks again to uh, Sergeant Major Burke for uh, for joining us here. Again, we entreat everybody to read his article uh, in this issue on page 14. Um, once again, the November issue, Bill, congratulations, a fantastic issue of Proceedings Magazine. We look forward to the December issue. We'll be talking about that one in, uh, in shows to come. And we'll look forward to seeing everybody here on Facebook Live each and every week at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Wednesday. We'll have to see next week because of the holiday. Uh, stand by for, uh, for uh, adjustments to that. We'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Um, but we look, to see you, look forward to seeing you here each and every week. Remember, victory begins at the Naval Institute. We'll see you next time.